This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, especially if this is your first time to see the program. May we welcome you to Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those who watch every time we come on the air. Thank you for tuning in as well. Now, now today on our telecast, we have a subject entitled, Settled in Heaven. There are certain things that are settled in heaven. I hope you'll stay tuned. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course that we've been mentioning now for a long time. We have thousands of people in the United States all over the world and all over the world, so many different countries of the world that are studying this Bible course along with us. And we want to make it available so that those of you who have tuned in today for the very first time have the opportunity to get it as well. And in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive the course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5211. I want to read now from the 119th Psalm, beginning in verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances for all of thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for thou, thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. Now I want to go back to verse 89, where the, where the psalmist said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Settled in heaven. God said it, I believe it, and that should settle it. As a matter of fact, it's settled even if I do not believe it. You see, things that are matters of eternal consequence are not settled in a conference somewhere. That things that pertain to my soul's salvation is not settled in Washington, D.C. It is not settled in Rome. It is not settled simply with my conscience. It is not settled with majority rule. 
It is not settled by the role of culture in our lives today. Things that are important so far as my eternal destiny is concerned are not settled on earth. It's been settled in heaven. Think about what Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16. When Jesus announced that he was going to build a church in verse 18, and then in verse 19 he said, And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You see, it is what God has settled in heaven that's important. And the psalmist says, Thy word is settled in heaven. Settled in heaven. That's the thing that's important. You see, what I should preach as a gospel preacher has been settled in heaven. I'm not to be preaching deathbed tales. I know some do. I'm not to be preaching some ear-tickling message that likely also is done. I'm not to be preaching a social gospel. I'm not to be preaching so as to win friends. I do want to influence people, and I would love for you to be my friend, but I'm not trying to just please people. I'm trying to please God, and so what I am to preach has been settled in heaven. Now listen to Jesus. Jesus explains it so, so simply. When, when in Mark 16 and 15 he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So now that's what I'm to preach. That's been settled. You see, I don't have to wonder, now, what am I to preach when I speak on getting to know your Bible? I already know that I'm to preach the gospel because I settled in heaven. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, starting with the very first verse. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. So what Paul preached was the gospel. I'd been settled in heaven. In 1 Corinthians the ninth chapter, Paul said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul told Timothy, Preach the word. Really, to preach the word and to preach the gospel is one and the same. We are to preach the gospel. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up to preach to those people gathered in the city of Jerusalem, he preached the gospel. He preached about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. He preached the gospel. And when he preached the gospel, people asked, what shall we do? And he preached the gospel by saying, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He preached the gospel. We're not to preach what 
men tell us we're to preach the gospel. That's been settled. I don't have a choice if I'm to be a faithful preacher of the gospel. I'm to preach the gospel and the gospel alone. The gospel is God's power to save the world. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. And I'm ready to preach the gospel to people all over the world because that's been settled in heaven. I'm to preach the gospel. And then what constitutes sin has already been settled in heaven. Now, if I were to ask people generally in our, our society, now what is sin? I, I have an idea that we would come up with a lot of different explanations and definitions. But you see, that's already been settled in heaven. I know there are different attitudes about sin. And I realize today that it's not very fashionable for a preacher to talk about sin. Now, some would even say that it's not politically correct to talk about it. There are those that even deny that sin exists today. Well, they might refer to it as psychological maladjustment or your you're, you're just having some kind of a difficulty, some, some, some problem that you're having. But in reality, the Bible might describe it as being sin. There are those that even make fun of sin. They mock it. Solomon said that fools make a mock of sin. Some people try to cover it up. They try to cover their sin. But the Bible says, Whoso covereth his sin shall not prosper. In Proverbs 28 and verse number 13. And then some people want to blame their sins on somebody else. Isn't that interesting? That people would not want to take responsibility for their sin. And they'd want to blame their sin on someone else. People are doing that since the time of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The Lord asked Adam, then Adam, what have you been doing? What you been doing? He said, That woman you gave me. Came to the woman and says, Why, why did you do it? He says, That serpent beguiled me. And so you see, people have been passing the buck and blaming others for their conduct since the beginning of time. And that's what some people are doing today, you know, about their sins. They're trying to, to blame their sins on somebody else. But the Bible has settled it. The Bible has settled what constitutes sin. For example, 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, All unrighteousness is sin. Whatever is not righteous is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. There's another definition of sin in 1 John the third chapter, verse 4. Whatever is a transgression of law is sin. And then another definition is in James the fourth chapter in verse 17. When we know to do good and we fail to do good, the Bible says it is sin. So if I know to, that I need to, to be kind and loving and forgiving and I fail to do that and I show a different kind of an attitude, then the Bible calls that a sin. And then when we violate a conscience that has been regulated by the Bible, it is described as sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, Romans 14 
and verse 23. So, so the, it's been settled in heaven what I'm to preach. I'm to preach the gospel. It has been settled in heaven as to what sin actually is. Sin is the violation of the law of God. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. And all have sinned. Romans 3, 23. All have missed the mark. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. According to John in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. But it's also been settled as to what the remedy is for sin. Someone says, well, all your person has to do, Brother Lambert, is just be honest and live a good life. And you, you know that the Lord would let that person go to heaven. Is that the remedy for sin? Someone says, well, all a person has to do is just accept Jesus Christ and ask him to come into their heart. And you know, Brother Lambert, that, that the Lord is going to let that person go to heaven. Is that what's been settled in heaven? Is that what the Bible teaches? Well, what is the remedy for sin? Well, first of all, Jesus tells us in Matthew 26 and verse 28, Well, this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus shed his blood that our sins would be remitted, that they would be remitted. I saw an individual the other day who had had cancer, and they announced, I'm in remission. I didn't have to have an explanation about what they meant. I knew that that meant that the cancer had been stopped dead in its tracks in their body. That the cancer in their body had been killed and it was no longer growing and working actively in their body. Jesus shed his blood to, to give us remission of our sins. That sin might be stopped dead in its tract in our life that it might be killed in our life, that it might be removed from our lives. And so Jesus shed his blood for the remission of sins. And there isn't anything else that will do that. In Romans, the fifth chapter, verses eight and nine, Paul said, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us being much more than justified by his blood, we are saved from wrath through him. God loved us, gave his son to die for us, and it's through that shed blood that we are saved from the wrath of God. We are saved from wrath through that precious blood. There is anything else that will do that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and verse 19 reads like this. You're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Well now, Peter, pray tell, if we can't buy our salvation, how can we be redeemed? Verse 19. By the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, it takes the precious blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us, to redeem us from our sins. Listen to Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. 
And so it takes the blood to do that. That's been settled in heaven. There, there isn't anything else that can do it. Good works can't do it. Ancestry can't do it. You say, well, Brother Lambert, my granddaddy was a gospel preacher. Well, that's wonderful. But that's not going to save your soul. You, you say, well, Brother Lambert, I, I, I've read the Bible through 15 times. That's a wonderful thing. But have you obeyed it? Have you had your, your, the blood of Jesus applied to your sins? You could read the Bible through a hundred times. And if you've never applied the blood of Jesus Christ to your sins, then it cannot save your soul. And so we have to apply that blood. We have to apply it. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us. Cleanseth us. Well, when does that blood cleanse us from our sins? Initially, that blood cleanses us of our sins when we as penitent, confessing believers in Jesus Christ are baptized into Christ that our sins be washed away. Well, I listened to Ananias talking to Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now why tarriest thou, rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. So he had his sins washed away in the blood of Jesus when he was baptized. Remember the passage I read in Matthew 26, 28, where Jesus said he shed his blood for the remission of our sins? Well, let me ask you a question. When does that blood give us that remission? Well, let me read a verse to you that I believe will explain it for us. And that's in Acts, the second chapter, in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You see, in Matthew chapter 26, in verse 28, Jesus said he, said he shed his blood for the remission of sins. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, Peter said to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. There's the exact same expression in both of those passages. Now, some try to explain away the essentiality of baptism, as is mentioned in Acts 2.38, by saying that for remission of sins in Acts 2.38 means because of the remission of your sins. That you're to be baptized not in order to be saved, that because you already are saved. But if that is true, logically, you would have Jesus saying in Matthew 26, 28 that he shed his blood not in order that we might be saved by that blood, but because we were already saved. And I think we know that that's not true. That that blood is for the salvation of our souls. But the question is, how do we contact it? How do we benefit from that shed blood? And Peter told the people on Pentecost to repent and to be baptized for the remission of their sins. In other words, in order that their sins might be remitted. You see, we have the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our benefit. But to benefit from that blood, we must obey 
the gospel. We must obey that form of teaching that has been delivered. Listen to Paul in Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 17 and verse 18. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. Made free from sin when? When you obeyed a form of that doctrine that was delivered to you. So when were they made from free from sin? It's when they obeyed a likeness of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ by dying to sin, being buried with Christ in the waters of baptism, being raised to walk in the newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And my friends, that's what this book teaches. That's been settled in heaven. But the way that I am to live once I obey the gospel has been settled in heaven. I don't have the right to continue to live like I did before I became a Christian. My conduct is to be such as to cause other people to want to become Christians. That's why in Philippians 1:27, Paul said, Only let your manner of life be as it becomes the gospel. Live as it becomes the gospel. That is, my life ought to be in harmony with the gospel. My life ought to be lived so as to adorn the doctrine of Christ or the gospel and to make it acceptable and presentable to other people. If I live after I become a Christian the way I lived before I become a Christian, Rather than causing people to want to become Christians, it would cause them perhaps not to want to become a Christian. This book teaches me how to live. It tells me in Titus chapter 2 and verse 12, for example, that I'm to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. You see, there's a way to live that has been settled in heaven. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, Peter is quoting a passage from the book of Leviticus. And there the Lord says, Be you holy, even as I am holy. You know, holiness is not a name. It's a way to live. Holiness is a way to live your life. It describes the conduct of, of an individual that they're striving to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. May we all try to live that way because, you see, that has been settled in heaven. Now, the time that I'm to obey the Lord has been settled in heaven. Some of you have been watching Getting to Know Your Bible for a long time. We have received letters from many people who would say something like this. I've been watching Brother Lambert now for a year, and I finally decided to become a Christian. Or I've been watching the television Getting to Know Your Bible for two years, or ever, for as long as you've been on the air. And well, the other day I decided to become a Christian. 
Well, well, I want to urge you, if you now know what you need to do to be saved, don't take a year, don't take two years, don't take half a lifetime. The Bible is already settled as to when you ought to do something about it. You see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, that today is the day of salvation. Why would, why would you want to put it off? Why, why would you want to put off your salvation? So suppose that you needed to have open heart surgery. So suppose the doctor said, if we don't perform that surgery, I'm not giving you much time. I'm not giving much hope. You could have a massive heart attack and die instantly. How long would it take you to decide to have that surgery? I know when the doctor told me that I needed to have open heart surgery, I had a, a birth defect that took 60 years to cause me so much trouble that I needed to have a surgery. And the doctor said, you have a 95% chance of survival. And I thought, well, then I have a 5% chance of not surviving. And so the, I think that I'll just go ahead and have that surgery. Suppose I'd have said, well, you know, Dr. Pacifico, I, I don't think that I'm... I'm going to do it right now. Why don't you let me think about it for a few more days? No, no. I said, let's get on with it right now. Let's get on with it right now. And if you really believe that you're lost without Jesus, and you know Jesus died to save you, and He shed His blood to save you, and if you know what to do to be saved, I'm asking you again, why would you want to put it off? You say, well, I may do it tomorrow, Brother Lambert. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Before a man doth not know what a day may bring forth, Proverbs 27 and verse 1. I'd urge you to do it and to do it today. If you don't know what to do and how to get it done, why don't you call us and let us get someone in touch with you and they'll baptize you for the remission of your sins. Find a gospel preacher at the Church of Christ in your community. You tell him, you want to be baptized. We've had many people to do that. In different states, in Arizona, in Illinois, in other states around the nation, people who have listened to the program, and they would go to the church and they'd tell the preacher, I want to be baptized for the remission of their sins. And they began to worship with the Church of Christ where they were baptized. I'd urge you to do it. Don't hesitate. You see, the time to be saved has been settled. You don't even have to think about it. We need to do it now. And if you do it now, then you have the battle won. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.